What's going on guys? This is Bruce from Printavo, Simple Shop Management Software. Welcome back to another episode of the Print Hustlers podcast. Here with our co-host Stephen Farrig, co-owner of Campus Inc. How's it going, Bruce? How's your shop been? You actually got a lot of equipment installed. A lot of equipment. It's been a crazy, crazy month. What'd so, you get? What'd you buy? Over the holidays we got another automatic. So we got our second, we've got now two sportsmen's. We got a CTS, the Douthit Wax Unit, MNR Starlight, and then a Unicoder. Wow. So, and yesterday uh, we picked up a rapid tag from Justin Moore at Barrel Maker. Thanks, Shouts Justin. <laughs> Shouts out, Justin. So that's a huge purchase before year end. I mean, was it tax motivated? Was it? I mean, these are all automation-based pieces of equipment. What's your thoughts around? all that yeah basically we had the sales to prove it we had subbed out a lot of work last year and it, it basically was the last piece of the puzzle to automating our shop um, in the sense that all the way from an online store to screens getting burned to proofs to mock-ups to even like on press everything is is almost standardized so that's kind of been my goal for 2020 is just standardizing everything to be able to continue to scale so. Yeah, it's interesting. Going to so many shops, one of the things I always love asking is what's something you would have done five years ago that you wish you would have known now? And so many people who have direct-to-screen, whether the iImage or the Doubted or um, I know Exile makes one, is they always say that. Jaws dropped in our shop when they saw how quick and easy it was to make a screen and then to burn it too. And then when that first job trilocks perfectly, like they're just their eyes light up and they're like whoa um and now it's like kind of a contest of who you know can we get a perfect lineup every time milo who was, who was burning screens yesterday she's like just imagine if we had to turn on the vacuum and, and have film for all of this like i'd be going crazy and we literally were able to like make i want to say like 50 or 60 screens like yesterday afternoon just like on a whim um and it was just like such a cool feeling Wow. So, well, first of all, how much does a machine like that cost? Anywhere from, you know, on the lower side, like thirty to $60,000. Uh, um, just depends, you know, what level of intensity you're looking for. Um, got it. Basically, like like a new automatic press. That, that's the best way I'd say it. And then there's the Doubted, which is more wax-based, right? And the iImage, it seems like those are the two leaders in the space for it, and which is yep. more ink-based, but... W what was the difference of you choosing between those? Obviously, I've heard, you know, being in Texas shops, they have issues more ink-based and wax may be better versus here. I don't know, I guess it's drier or what? Sure, sure. So the, the wax for us was one, you know, um, it holds a tighter dot. Um, you can leave a, a screen with wax on it overnight and expose it the next day. Um, you don't have to mess with your darkroom humidity so much. Most importantly, um, the customer service is just awesome when you work with Mark. You've worked with Mark. You can call him up. He's awesome to work with. So I was like, you know, it's kind of a, a, a going back and forth. And I said, you know what? Let, let's do it. Um, and we don't regret it. So That's cool. What do you feel yeah. like is the like the number one biggest time saver? Or, or is it that you don't need one person in the darkroom all day? They could do other stuff? Or is it the setup time on press? Or is it... You know, it, it's it's everything, it? right? Like it was taking us a couple minutes. You know, one we were creating film, right, which is expensive and costly. So you know, every time you print out a piece of film, there's a minute, minute, a minute, a minute, and then from there, like you are lining up screens on a tri lock thing, like you know, on 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 a rig, like a pin system, 
Um, and then you're exposing it. We, we had a really old janky exposure unit that was taking a couple minutes to expose. Um, and you have pinholes, right, when you use glass. And then setup time. Like, literally, our setups have gone from what could be 45 minutes to, like, 10 minutes. I felt like a, like a, a fresh breath of air just, like, pumped into our shop. Um, and the coolest part was, like, we've had, we have four different people that know how to burn screens, coat screens, reclaim, like, basically, we could throw anyone in it, um, and we were able to teach people really quickly. Like, even with, with like, we got the, we got the Unicoat, um, and, like, yesterday, we coated a couple hundred screens. We're good for the next, like, you know, four or five days, and then we'll do it again, right? Um, so it's, it's just not, a big time savings, because yeah. you could, you could let that thing run while you're doing this, or somebody's doing yeah. something else. Yeah. So, I mean, we're still learning our flow and everything like that um, and, and how to really dial it in and, and get everything perfect. But um, it makes like your employees jobs like more fun and enjoyable and nicer, too. Right. Sure. Um, and I think that's something like, you know, Justin Lawrence was saying at, at, at Oklahoma was like he got an auto reclaimer. I think they got like the Lotus Holland. And he's like, it made my reclaimers day life career that he didn't have to do the the nastiest job in the shop anymore you know that's awesome yeah that's exciting pumped to to definitely go and see it any other big news at the shop um nothing too crazy we're just uh we're scaling up for the spring we're hiring a bunch of employees like i said 2020 for me is just like standardizing um because you know we have to be able to sustain the growth but more importantly for me as like an owner um i can't be everywhere at once and if everything's not standardized uh, and there's not people in the correct seats and stuff like that. Sure. Um, then I'm gonna get stretched too thin. What uh, so, what do, what areas are you hiring for? Are these full time? Are these part time? Yeah. So so I was talking to you earlier, and I said like our leadership is young, right? So we don't have a ton of experience, but um, we're creating superstars. We like to say. Sure. So basically, I'm trying to hire long term key employees in in those key spots. So on the production side, um, on the sales side. And then my newest focus is like the marketing side. So I have an amazing team, a full-time team that works on the student side. Um, but I really need, you know, almost like VPs of different departments, right? Yeah. So and that big, was basically... Big boy company. What's up? Said so the big boy company. I mean, you know, like... It's just growing up. You're Like, I can't, you, you just can't do it. Um, you physically can't do it and be everywhere. And like, you have to trust people. And you have to take some leaps of faith. Like, mm-hmm. the perfect employee is not going to fall out of the sky and just land in your lap. And next thing you know, you're a millionaire. Mm-hmm. You know, that right. would be nice. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that's super interesting. I know we're talking about this. And at Printava, we've, we are starting to departmentalize as well. And we're also starting to bring on um, kind of director slash lead type roles. Our engineering department, I feel like, has really been built out and has strong structure. I mean, there's there's repetitive process. Every two weeks, code comes out. You know, a project manager organizes, a, a CTO, like, uh, helps recruit and hire and do all this stuff, and it's created an engine. And I look at that, and I'm like, okay, great. How can we replicate that engine in the sales side? on the customer care side, on the marketing side. It just appears that it all comes together with a really good leader there. Like it's like, it's the head, it's just like you to the whole shop, right? A good leader there is driving the shop forward. Now it's a little mini department or, or almost company inside of it 
they're responsible and can drive each area forward too. That's what we're hiring for now. Yeah, and I think it's like, uh, you know, Ryan said it best at Print Hustlers last year, you know, you have like innovators and integrators. Sure. Right? Kind of showed both sides of the company. And he's like, without the integrators, I could never be an innovator. And that, that's basically my, my, my biggest struggle right now is like, I know what I want. I can picture the business in my head. When you know I, I put my mind to it, I'm able to make incredible strides. But integrating is always holding you back, right? For sure. Um, no different than a CTS. Like that, that's the exact same same analogy there. And it wasn't until like I've been going through traction, um, and I'm working through like the the vision traction organizer, and I'm just like writing down what I want my business to look like in five years or three years, um, and that's when it's like, crap. Do I want to be doing the same exact thing that I'm doing right now? Because if I am, then I'm going backwards. Yeah, right? so. it's such a good point. In and actually, perfect segue to, I think this is absolutely the book of 2020 to read. If you haven't picked it up, Traction by Gino Wickman, you absolutely need to. It's on Amazon. But um, I know we've been going through this too, and I know Tom Round at Vision Tees. Um, on the Screen Printing Marketing Facebook group has been pushing this book too. And we're actually working on bringing on a speaker from their group to Print Hustlers Conf, a little uh, sneak peek. So, I mean, I just, I value this book so much now, mainly because of what you talked about, which is when you start to get a little bit further in, you guys will see, if you're listening, you'll see it's called the Vision Traction Organizer. Uh, if you're watching this, I'm showing you on screen here. But essentially what you do is you're creating this 10-year plan and this long-term vision with your mission and your core values, and then you're breaking it down into three years and then one year, and then quarterly rocks, what they call. So that's really exciting because it helps kind of distill where the company should be going. And I also think it, it helped, when I shared this with the team, it, it set vision. Because I don't know about you, but we have been so two-week focused, two-week focused, two-week focused, right? Um, just, you know. How to get the next box through. to the next trade show. <laughs> exactly, right? Like getting, for us, it's just next feature out, fixing this issue, keep moving forward versus having a little bit longer term of a view. And I think uh, when you say that word like vision, so one of the, the earlier parts of the book um, is is talking about like your core values and, you know, you're able – there's some exercises in there to try to figure out what your core values are, and, and we're not going to go into that. But the one thing that struck me, it was like, does everyone in your company know what the vision and values and focus are? Yeah. Like, if you were to ask everyone at Printavo right now, could they tell you it back? It's a great question. I'm, I'm sort of slightly embarrassed to say I don't think 100%. But yeah. but I think that's because I have mentioned it maybe once, but not enough times, right, to create memory. Like, I got to do more. I got to do right. more to make sure that they know that. So I, like, took a poll at one of the talks at Atlantic City, and I asked the same question. And um, this couple raised their hand, and he said, like, we have it everywhere. It's on our walls. It's in our bathrooms. Mm. I don't know if it's in the bathrooms. It's, like, everywhere. And he basically <laughs> said, right above he's, the like, urinal. <laughs> at the urinal, here's your, yeah. Um, but, it, but he basically said, I started working at Disney, like in the amusement park, whatever. Uh -huh. And that's all they like breathed down our throats was like our vision, our values and core beliefs and what we believe in. Um, and he's like, you know, because of that, you know, he, he was able to, to transfer that to his own company. Um, but he said, everyone knows it. Um, and you can almost like, this sounds really weird, but you can see Insta on Instagram and see shops that like when their employees get it, 
you know it's like the ones like you look at shirt kong and it's like i just know that like everyone there even from the reclaimer you know believes in in shirt kong and their values and their vision you know same with brad and justin and and and, and, and dom at superior um you can tell from the inside that their employees do it so that's one thing i did literally right when i got back um, i was reading this on a plane and i was like hey everyone who here knows what our vision values and and and, and core beliefs are did and we just like, raise our hand what did anybody know well like, when um, you first asked a couple people did because we started putting it on everything uh-huh. uh, and a lot of our students know it but i you know like even like my team you know they, they didn't really know it now i'm confident if i asked them all they could tell me very very simply so yeah. that's one of the first things that you do create is that north star and your core values w- what did you what was your north star um i think my north star was like where you know what i wanted my business lifestyle wise to look like what i wanted my customers to look like you know what i wanted my employees to be like and then like repainted that picture back into what what your mission was so really like to create some of my core values i actually had to think 10 years out be like in 10 years what do you want your company to to be doing and then we like built it backwards Right. And so um, one of the big things we have is like to teach and develop, you know, to teach design. We teach design to students all the time. And so, you know, I thought of it and said, how cool would it be if we had this insane academy of art where students are constantly learning and challenging each other? And I was like, wait a second, like, that's what we do here. We, we teach design, mm-hmm. whether it's to our students, whether it's to our, you know, our printers, we're teaching art all the time. Oh, wow. And, so that's and what that you one of our thing. Core yeah. value then. Yeah. You know, I feel like this helped also niche us into determining who our customer was. Like it kind of started with who who is the shop that we want to be able to help? And usually they're an ambitious shop, right? If the shop isn't looking to be able to get organized and be able to grow their business, we're probably not the right fit just because they will be fine using paper and, and whiteboards. Um but if they are looking to continue to grow and kind of get to the next level, that's where we can help and step in. We want to help all ambitious shops get organized and grow. And, and that's what our mission started off at the top. And then for our core values, we have these three areas. I feel like it's product that we really care about, education, and support. And so each of those go down into that where it's talking about empathy, it's talking about patience, it's talking about always making things simpler and easier to use. That's how I created then the core values. But the book actually, I feel like it did a great job of, of like helping to nail that down too. What did you set for your 10-year goal? Was it revenue-based and you don't share or is it more, which is totally okay? No, it was, it was actually, there was, there was a profit side to it. Um, I won't share what that is because I'm an ambitious 28 year old. Um, but it was like, it was kind of a, it was basically a, how I want my business to look. You know, I I don't want more than four automatics. I don't, I want to be able to have a great brokering team like John and be able to produce stuff in house. Right. I want to have a team of, you know, over four or 500 students across the country. Right. Like I want to have a team, um, that is both in Chicago and in Champaign because I'd like my life to start transitioning to Chicago a little bit. And because of that, I'm like, if we do all those things, um, we should be at, you know, a revenue number. I said, I just threw out a number. I said $10 million, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And if we're doing $10 million, 
I, I should be able to squeeze out a bit of that for me in my future. Sure. So I used to get so caught up in revenue. A contract shop could be printing 10 times more than me and be way more intense, but do less revenue, but be much more profitable, right? So just because you have revenue, that just might mean you sell really expensive products, right? So I kind of tried to stay away from the revenue and, and the profit part, I but I more so tried to paint the picture. Yeah, how about yourself? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, tenure plan, so we definitely set a, so I think the one of the key pieces of the book that I liked is they want you to set measurable goals, like metrics. Right. So if you can't physically measure it, then you won't be able to achieve it in essence. So yeah, we set a revenue goal and I set a margin goal as well for 10 years. And then, and I felt that that was realistic based on how we grow for the last few years is how we've grown the last few years. And then I also broke it down to what I wanted the company vibe to be like. Um, you know, I think we're trending more to, to remote team members and, but then also having a foundation in Chicago and a nice office there. I felt like going any further than those higher level, but measurable pieces, either like they're checked or they're not almost did me a disservice cause it's so far out, but at least that was the foundation to creating the three year which I thought was helpful. And this is what traction recommends is the next step. But then the one year, which that's, that's the key. So did you get to the quarterly rocks that you right. create for each? I think we should bring this down to ground level. Like shops out there will have different vision values and what they want to do. Like we were at the coolest shop in Long Beach, you know, like at Calamucho and like they have a very specific niche and a very specific like purpose. Yeah. And I don't think they're necessarily trying to take over the world, you know, one t-shirt at a time, but like they're serving a specific niche. And that's like what they believe in. That's their vibe. That's how they, you know, that, that's just like what they want to do. And that's going to bring them comfort. So I think like when I talk to shops and I'm like, where, where do you want to be in a couple of years? And they're like, well, profit, revenue, but just like balance. As I talk to older shops, you know, if I, I bug like Justin Moore a lot and I'm like, you know, tell me five years ago what you would have told yourself. Um, those are the, the, the type of things I listen to. But going back to like quarterly rock. So, so you do the three year, then you bring it down to a one year measurable goal, right? You take those same exact ones. So whether it's revenue, profit, and how many people you have, and sure. then you break it up into 90 day rocks, then it's like very actionable items, right? So Bruce, like what was your first 90 day rock for? Could you, could you say? I'm literally pulling it up right now. Um, I, I wrote it in my book and I totally, I left my book at home and so i'm like looking at my other notes but i have some uh, <laughs> i wrote this all in google uh a google doc here um so first i set how many shops are we helping to organize that are are that are subscribers to printavo and then i broke that down into monthly um and i said what is the profit margin for the revenue for this year for that um, I think that our margin will be a bit skinnier this year because we're doing some heavy investment on, on building out the team. I, I created a what I feel like is a, a bit of a stretch goal, but something that's like more aggressive, but um, felt attainable. It definitely felt attainable. Then I also said, what does the organization look like? So I wrote down team members. Um, we need to bring on a couple more people. So I wrote in each of the departments who those are. 
And so there's like a director of sales, there's a, a um, six more engineers, a designer, a customer care lead, um, a success team, and then an office manager. And then I also broke out in office and I said, a fun, bright office, humming, um, about 30, um, 500 square feet. And um, fingers crossed we, we sign that next week um, as the other two have fallen through. And then from there, I broke out goals for each department. So I think the tough part is that in the traction book, they say when you set your goals for each department, what you want to achieve, you need to assign one person that is responsible for owning these goals. I don't feel like we necessarily have that one person just yet. That's still a little bit gray for for us. Uh, were you able, like, did you break those out into groups for your for your different first annual goals? They didn't even get into quarterly yet, but. So I looked at it from like a manufacturing side of things mm-hmm. um, and then from like a sales, like a sales and marketing kind of company. I looked at them kind of dependent on one another a little bit. And, and the other thing that I looked at was like in the first 90 days, I can't do everything. So I'm going to really, 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 really focus on one thing. And that's been production. So like, you know, my rocks are like, you know, being able to have a production manager that fully owns production. So that production is more or less automated. And one of the big things was the equipment side of it. And now it's going to be training and SOPs and development and then measurement. Um, and then allowing that to be sustainable so that I could look at like my next 90 days was where I was turning my focus on to our student side of things because that's where our, our business really grows. And so that's where, you know, I talked about building out um, our different platforms for the students, our education, our modules, um, our recruiting, all those different things. And then, you know, we were able to take that into, I almost did it like trimesters a little bit because we're on, on the student side of things. But I almost like went around the whole year. And um, by the end of it, I was like, if this and this go well, then the fall um, is really where we get to have fun, right? Like if I said, Bruce, what's the most fun thing you get to do at Printavo? It's not debugging QuickBooks. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Um, like what's, what's the most fun thing for you to do as an owner? Watch it like succeed and be out there with it succeeding. Sure. Um, like having people in positions and like being able to be like, whoa, that's actually working. We're making sales. Whoa. Our customers are getting onboarded faster. Whoa. We're actually like, whoa, our engineering team's actually churning. That's like the best feeling. So you're the person responsible then for production then right now. And then also you assigned yourself hiring a production manager and um, the equipment aspect, which you checked that one off, which is huge. Any other big annual goals that you set for this year for year one? Um, Profit first. I think uh, growing a bigger business is fun, but growing a bigger business is definitely hard. Our revenues almost quadrupled, but that's also brought a ton more overhead and um, it's a lot easier to just blow money. So um, this is the year of Profit First. Um, Mark started that Profit First for screen printers. We're working with a Profit First accounting. I just want to start building wealth in the business so we can start making some strategic moves. So, yeah. Did you? How are you doing that? Are Are you working with somebody, or do you have? Are you hiring somebody in house to do that, or what? Yeah, I hate accounting. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I have a full-time bookkeeper, um, but we're actually hiring a profit-first professional bookkeeper, like a service, uh-huh. and they're actually going to do it for us. Thought about it, and it's like a thousand bucks a month, and I'm like, ugh, 
but I'm like, what if this actually works? Sure. Yeah, what I mean, the thousand will be. What if this actually works? So that 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 was a thing that you know, print hustlers last year obviously motivated me, and I didn't do, and now it's just like, it's like I'm paying someone to put me in the gym, you know. So, For sure. That's a really good yeah. way of putting it, right? It's like a trainer or a coach. I mean, you know, any any serious athlete or, or a person that's trying to be the best has a co- coach or many coaches that are helping to guide them. Whether they know that they need to do it or not, they're still there for that kind of voice to push them. I think sometimes, like, entrepreneurs or really small business owners don't reach out to coaches, right? Or, like, they don't feel like they can – they need someone – it's like the best thing to have someone accountable. I mean, literally, we got coffee with three other shops three months ago, and we set a calendar to remind ourselves about our goals. You texted it to us. I opened it up, and I'm like, sweet. Like, someone held me accountable to something. Right. You know? Right. So, yeah. It's, Are you uh, able to shout out who you're using for the Profit First Professional? Um, um, is it a firm or is it a person? It's it's a firm. It's called like Sparkle Consulting or something like that. Um, okay. We're still onboarding. Um, Justin from Barrel Maker and, and Jared from Rockford Art Deli recommended them. I think it's definitely like a hot item for 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 shops, and shops that are doing it actually are loving it. So uh, that's something that I, I really really want to do. Yeah. So. You know, I think that stuff, I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent, but I feel like that kind of thing is so important, especially, like, you you literally said it, right? As the revenues grows, like, things just get a little bit wild, right? Like, um, you know, you're, you definitely start spending more. You, you're, you're comfortable spending more. I mean, the things that you spend now on two years ago, you'd have been like, no way, you know? But now you're just like, yeah, yeah, just, just get it. Let's move on. You know, it's almost an addiction almost, right? Where, you know, you're like, oh, just put more in, just put more in. It's fine. It's fine. I'll deal with it tomorrow. Right. And I think that's that's to go back to the traction thing. Like, as I've been talking to shops and being like, hey, you should really do this. Like, a lot of people will drill through a couple hundred pages and then, like, text me and be like, oh, crap. Like, okay, I got to do this. So it's almost like a it's a wake-up call a little bit. But I think there's something to be said about putting things down on paper. Um because like during the day, like you just don't have time to put things down on paper. And I literally read traction just through all the flights that we were on for, for trade shows and stuff over the holidays. And, and um, even if it's not like traction, there's another one like the E-Myth is an amazing book mm. um, to use as well about like, you know, managing your small business and, and figuring things out like that. It could be like good to great. It could be anything, but like, you know, getting the book, writing it up, marking it up, trying some different things out you know i don't think the entire eos system is going to stick but if we can pull five or six things from it i think it's it's super successful you know yeah. I, I think it is one one of those books bruce though it's really hard to listen to i had to actually read it and like write in it i don't know yeah um i am not ashamed to say every time i tried to listen to the audiobook i fell asleep <laughs> and this yeah. was this must have been four times five times and it was halfway through and i was like oh great but i have no actionable steps here so yeah that's when i bought it and physically started reading it or i also got the kindle too for when i forgot it and was on the plane and wanted to read it yeah. um, so there's another piece to the issues list 
which th this is actually is making me I, I have to print this and put this on my wall to so I can like I want to physically cross these things out as we're hitting quarter to quarter but these issues list is they're telling you to meet with your management team if you don't have one just you to write out what do you feel like are the potential uh, I guess you could say risks to you achieving your quarterly goals to achieve the year goals Hiring is obviously a big one. I feel like that was that we shared that. Were there any ones that you wrote down on the issue side? Yeah, I actually just did it with my team the other day, like right behind me, not staged. Um, but we kind of just sat in a room and we were like, okay, what what are what is holding us back? Mm -hmm. um, it came down to people and training, um, and keep. I think retaining retaining people is is a big thing, and and like, I almost said it as like, turning jobs taking jobs and turning them into careers, that's gonna be my biggest issue, mm -hmm. you know? How do I take these awesome people that have trusted me just a little bit and have them turn this into a career and make sure that they're progressing individually and with the company? Because if we can do that, like we will grow and we were just texting with Brett and he's like, I've had people there for seven, eight, nine years. Everything came down to retaining good people, training them and like being able to progress and grow with them. Because if you think about it, like, we were just joking about this, but, like, our parents stuck, like, my mom worked, you know, at her bank for, like, 25 years. Like, isn't that kind of crazy? Yeah, I mean, it's not um, the most common now. There's definitely been a huge generational shift from... Right. From that and, in, in trying to get a bit quicker of a return. Well, not bit, but a much quicker return. Yeah, but, like, everyone's so flighty now, and, you know, right. like, they'll job hop and stuff like that, but it's, like... You know, how do my thing is like, how do I hold them? You know, how do I keep them here for four or five years? I don't know. Maybe that's a good. Let's start with like two years. I don't know. Sure, sure. Brett, by the way, Stephen mentioned uh, he's talking about Brett at, over at Printed Threads. We'll have to pull on to the show. Um, we'll reach out and try to schedule something for next week. But um, no, that's, that's a great point. I mean, I think the issues list brought out some really core cracks around people as well. That, that I'm sure every company just has. But, you know, if that's one of the biggest issues, it also then reflects how much time we should be probably spending on that, right? Like the hiring, the training, the reinvesting in the team, the career growth of the team. I mean, there's I think there's just a strong realization of like, I don't know, maybe it's a third of the day. It's just half of the day is just spent on that like always recruiting always doing these kinds of, of re-engagement things to, to keep your team happy yeah i think in, in the book it says like finding the right people and putting them in the right seats and a lot of time you'll have really good right people but they'll be in the wrong seats and then you know if you have the wrong people in the wrong seats that's just not good but then the other thing they said is like the wrong people in the right seats is also super toxic being someone that doesn't believe in your vision but still comes to work and does their job every day. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the hardest part is, like, I am obviously super young, and so I, I'm trying to garner trust from my surroundings to believe in me just a little bit to, to kind of go on this ride. Um, and for some people, it's, it's you know, it's it's their job. It's their livelihood. They, they don't necessarily want to be up all night doing what you're doing and, and all that stuff, and I have to understand that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean they're not owners, right? They're not. That's not their job. Um, so if, probably if you wanted that, then you'd have to, I don't know, cut them a chunk of the 
of equity too. But no, I think this is a great point. If you guys don't have this book again, uh, this is called Traction. The one that we have, I believe, is the expanded edition. It's black and it's orange by Gino Wickman. So definitely download that. And we'll continue again next week with um, we, I, I'd love to really dive next week deeper into the, the departmental aspects because we've been people chatting tracker. a lot about yeah the people tracker, right people, right seats, and then also the kind of management hierarchy, which um, takes a little bit of a while to form in a younger company, but seems to help it continue to scale from there. Are we in a book club? I think we're in a book club. I think we just started the book club too. Sweet. <laughs> Although I think at the speed we read, it's, it's a very elderly book club. Um, considering it's one book a year versus usually book clubs are probably monthly. Maybe we can get better at it. <laughs> yeah. Millennial. Well, if I don't fall asleep on the rest of my audiobooks, I'm down. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Print Hustlers Podcast. I'm Bruce from Printavo, and this is Stephen Farrick. See ya. Have a good one, guys.